It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies, the worst of which... Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. All right, before we get started with this podcast, we need to talk about something. Friends, it, it feels like the whole world can literally change for the worse overnight. You're following the news stories. With what's likely coming for our country, there is one thing you should do, and that's prepare. When you're more self-reliant, you're closer to freedom from any national crisis or job loss or economic downturn. But where do you start, and who can you trust? Let me make this clear. Building an emergency food supply to feed yourself and your family is a wise first step. And our friends at My Patriot Supply will help you prepare. Get four weeks emergency food supply for only $99, shipped free. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-prepare food, order today, 888-457-3453, 888-457-3453, or go online at preparewithcr.com. That's preparewithcr.com. Build your emergency food supply for only $99. Limit two units per caller, 888-457-3453, or online at preparewithcr.com. That's 888-457-3453, or at preparewithcr.com. All right, now let's get to the podcast. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Yes, it is, and it's also Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. We love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Speaking of conservative review, coming in February, this show is moving to CRTV. You'll be able to watch us each and every afternoon live. You'll get podcasts. You can also listen on demand when it's convenient for you. Uh, if you subscribe now using the early bird code Dace, that's my name, D-E-A-C-E, you'll get a substantial discount off your first annual subscription. It'll cost you just 30 cents a day. Plus, you'll get all of the other great programming on CRTV as well. Steven Crowder, Mark Levin, Michelle Stein, Mark, or, I'm sorry, Michelle Malkin, Mark Stein. Not a better lineup out there. Please join us at CRTV.com. Well, where to begin? Did anything happen today? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, yeah. That just happened Tonight, 
Donald Trump is president of the United States, and I want to take a look at his inauguration to start the show this evening. We'll have the Days Group Roundtable next hour. Mike Woody will take us to the movies here in about 30 minutes. But I want to open the show up here tonight talking about the inauguration, the events of the day, uh, as well as the speech. Now, we all had a chance to either watch it, uh, read, read the transcript, or listen to it. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought. This was, I thought this was the money line of Trump's inaugural address. We give it back to you, the people. Gotham is yours. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. Oh, you know, we do good Trump and bad Trump. That was bad, Steve. Bad Steve, very bad. But th- come on, there was some, th- there was, didn't you get the sense of some of that? Now, I got to say, uh, I thought politically the speech was, for Trump, a stroke of genius. I'll give you an example. One of the things we talked about last, ta- last night on uh, C-SPAN when they simulcast our show, and if you missed that, by the way, the full simulcast of uh, the video version of our, our show last night, courtesy, courtesy of C-SPAN, is right there on my Facebook wall. You can guys go check it out. But one of the things that uh, Aaron asked us last night, it was either during three questions or buy, sell, or hold, is what's the one thing you want to see out of Trump's speech? And one of the things I mentioned, because you know I couldn't come up with just one thing, I think I came up with two. Uh, I think one of the two things I mentioned is... Um, Get rid of the first-person pronouns. Don't make it about you, right? That was one of the things I said. Bing. The word I was used by Trump three times. The words my used by him once. Four first-person pronouns in the entire speech. You, 12 times. We, 48 times. Our, 43 times. Your, 10 times. That's a money shot. That's nailing it, if you ask me. That is smart, very smart. So politically, I thought the speech absolutely worked for him. If what he wants to convey to people is, I'm not any different than what you elected, both good and bad. If that's what he wants to convey, and I would assume by the speech that he gave, that is what he wants to convey. Mission accomplished. I think if you loved Trumpism prior to this speech, you still love it. I think if you loathed Trumpism prior to this speech, you still loathe it. I think if you had mixed feelings about Trumpism, You have mixed feelings about this speech. It goes to what I have said all along. People do not govern differently than they campaigned. This is what he campaigned on. I think there's a lot of sentiments that if you are ideological conservatives like we are, there's a lot of sentiments there that we agree with. But you also know what was not mentioned? The word liberty wasn't mentioned once. The word freedom, I think, was mentioned one time. No references to the Constitution. No references to limited government. Now, there were a lot of references to God. We saw prayers in Jesus' name. We'll get to those things here in just a moment. But the, but the tone that was set by this speech, I guess I would label it, Todd, this was a better version of the speech he tried to give at the Republican National Convention. I think this was a, a better version. I think his performance better rose to the occasion, standing there, looking over the Potomac with all of Washington bowing the knee, essentially, to the new president. But I think this is the speech that he tried to give at the convention. I think he delivered it better today. Yeah, it's the best speech he's ever given. And a lot of people are spending time now, social media, saying, well, he wasn't conservative. Yeah, duh, he's not conservative. We know that. But telling the people right now that this country is yours is a very conservative notion. It's that, that, is, that, is that pure populism? No, that's constitutional. 
that, that nice, nice starting point. And listen, I'm the guy who's been defaulting towards pessimism most of the time regarding Donald Trump. But, you know, this is I don't think we need to be spending a lot of time now recreating that wheel. He is not a conservative. Our best hope is that he trips into conservative policies that help us. I, I think here's as someone who thinks like the people you're criticizing. Let me tell you why this is being done. There are some people that have just simply just become nothing Trump can do. They are zealots. Uh, every bit, the, the, just you know, the zealots that everything Trump does is great. There's zealots on both sides. And then there are some people like me who are very concerned that, that are playing a long game here, that believe conservatism is what we need uh, in order to preserve the country because. Here, here. It, it's based on conserving the things that built the country. You right? bet I'm one of them. All right, so the concern is he gets branded as conservatism when later on, when he's gone. You know, for eight years, it seemed like Barack Obama thus spoketh Zarahustra every time he went to the mic. For eight years, it seemed like he tiptoed between the raindrops. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Now he's gone. Off into the night. Almost like he was never there. So will it be one day for Donald Trump. That'll be four years from now. That'll be eight years from now. And the things and the principles and the foundations worthy of being conserved will remain because they are timeless. And so I think the concern is that this is, this is a different ideology, as in a non-ideology, as in a utilitarian, whatever's best for the American people kind of populism. And what's best for them now may not be best for them tomorrow. Very mercurial, capricious. And okay, that's what you elected. That's what you're going to get. But that isn't conservatism. Because when he is gone, and exits stage left, like Barack Hussein Obama did earlier today, the cons- the con- what we need to conserve must remain. And so I think the concern is conserving that conservatism, Todd. I don't disagree with that at all. But if you see reactions from the crazy left, and they were probably going to say this no matter what, but they were, I saw them on social media reacting immediately to lines like, you know, giving it back to the people. And they said, this is dark. This is dark. Well, you know what? Then you're, you're in the right place. Because if, if having power and control of uh, the folks who are constitutionally endowed with this, uh, the, the responsibility for upholding the institutions of this country is a dark place, well, You've done well for the day, but uh, in the other hand, yes. In one sense, he sounded like Ronald Reagan. In the next sentence, it was the great. It was the great. Like FDR. FDR, the great. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. So yeah, I hear that. But I—that's exactly what I expect. He he exceeded my expectations, quite frankly. See, I actually think Aaron, what Todd is lamenting, is a promising development for our side. This is what we did not do during the George W. Bush years, and everybody wants to blame Obama for why we got Trump. George W. Bush is also to blame for why we got Trump because we said here every night during this primary being told by a lot of americans it doesn't matter if he's not a conservative your conservatism failed your conserv we tried conservatism with george w bush and where did it get us because we labeled everything he did conservative because he was the republican that's an important, great point, and you're absolutely. But you're also the, the power of that word might be dead. I mean, it might fall on deaf ears. How many people can we convince, and let, it's, it, other than the, our own little circle? Now we well, nod that, our heads. Well, that's right. He's not well, conservative. That's a that separate conversation. That is, that may be true, but that is a separate conversation. I mean, I'm the one. How many columns have I written in the last four months? There is no conservatism really anymore. Now the question is, well, then Steve, why are you arguing for it? The question I'm having tactically is, does there something? Does it something new? Do we rebrand ourselves like liberal? 
liberals had to rebrand as progressives? Do we rebrand as we're for liberty, we're for freedom? I don't know what we rebrand as, or do we need, or, or is it a brand that can be recaptured? Whatever it is, though, what Trump spoke about today are 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 popular patriotic sentiments, but they are not Aaron several of the things that we actually are contending for when we do a show like this. Yeah, and both of you, Todd, you mentioned this earlier, are absolutely right. Um, why complain about it not being conservative when he's not a conservative? Why why expect a dog to start bark or to start meowing? I mean, that's just that doesn't happen. But at the same time, um, this is, I, I, I do believe that if we can keep this up and not just drink the Kool-Aid, I've seen so much Kool-Aid drinking, even from those who um, were skeptical about Trump. If we we just not uh, drink the Kool-Aid, if we can not lose our minds here about uh, President Trump, stay sober through this, we may not have to rebrand. We may be able to differentiate ourselves, but that is a totally separate conversation because that, I mean, trying to figure that out is um, like trying to uh, launch, you know, a rocket. It is, it is, it, to me, it's it's rockets. We, we don't even get to have that debate if we conflate whatever the latest missive is from the Trump White House as conservatism. We don't even get to have that debate. Our, what we're even fighting for becomes dead at that point, and we might as well just join the, the Borg in the machine. There's something else I want to address when we come back. You're listening to Steve Dace. Standing up for your rights and telling you the way it is. This man is an American hero. Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. This is the part of the show that several of you are going to be upset about. But I, I simply won't be able to sign off tonight if I don't say this. I won't be able to look myself in the mirror. And I'm going to have one of those Holy Spirit... Uh, beatdowns when I get home that I didn't do what I was called to do if I don't say what I'm about to say. So since as much as I can't stand getting your nattering nabob, you're just a hater aid emails, it's much easier to delete those than deal with my own conscience when this is over. Uh, when my creator taps me on the shoulder and says, yeah, that's not the way you were called to do this job. So I'm going to say it anyway, even though I know it's going to offend many of you. Trump today chose to have himself, one of the two Bibles he chose to have himself sworn in on was Abraham Lincoln's inaugural Bible. One of Lincoln's most oft-quoted phrases during the Civil War, I am not saying that God is on our side. I am saying that we're trying to get on his. I'm, I'm happy to see there were prayers in the name of Jesus today. There were things that had been missing in our nation's capital. And I'm going to take them at face value that they were done in earnest. And even if they are, that is utterly meaningless if they're not followed by action. Why do you call me Lord, Jesus says, if you do not do what I say? It is not about what you say. Is it about what you do? A tree can call itself whatever it wants. But you know how we know what kind of tree it is? By the kind of fruit it bears. It can scream and yell and cry and it can tweet all at once, I am an apple tree. But come harvest time, when oranges are sitting there, budding on the leaves, it's not an apple tree. It's an orange tree, no matter what it identifies or claims to be. 
So it's, it's not about the fact we heard prayers today. In fact, I would urge you to follow Trump's own advice. Trump himself said today, the time for talk is over. The time for action is here. Well, I believe James would agree. Faith without works is dead. Enough with prayers. That's great. But if they're not going to be followed by action, they're irrelevant. They will, be, they will fall on deaf ears. I am sure plenty of unrepentant people prayed when they saw the floods coming. And the floods still came. There was a threat of rain today. Franklin Graham said that rain is a blessing in the Bible. Unless you are one of Noah's contemporaries. We have to be very careful with this, guys. We are playing a very dangerous game here, invoking God's word and then not following through with it. As St. Peter says, it is better to have never known God's law and his word than to know it and then not obey it. I cannot believe how many of you tweeted me today or sent me notes today. It's good to hear these words again. No. It's not about words. Jesus said, you know, people will come to me and they will say, we did this in your name. We said this in your name. We, 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 I don't know who you are. Where's the obedience? Trump said today that our nation will be protected by God. Pretty presumptuous to speak for God. You know, there's no nation that God loved more than his own, Israel. And he punished them for with captivities for their disobedience. Would we presume, we have been a very blessed and favored nation, would we presume to be more loved by God than his own? Would we? That's quite a presumption unto itself as well. So if he was willing to take his belt off and spank them, if he was willing to look at them and say, I just want you to know before Nebuchadnezzar shows up, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you for the next 70 years. If he was willing to do that with his own people, you don't think he'd be willing to do that with us? So the question isn't that we will be protected by God. The petition is, may we be protected by God? And if you follow God's word and you follow the way he interacts with his people and all of his creation throughout history, there seems to be at least some reliance on our obedience in order to obtain his protection in the end. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. The President of the United States cannot just simply decree we will be protected by God. Whether his name's Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Pope whatever. Can't simply decree that. Don't fall for empty rhetoric. Don't fall for empty sentiments. And that's that worries me when I see that. And when and, and when when you when you when you demand that God will protect us, and you've got a known heretic like Paula White up there doing the praying, that might not be far be it for me to suggest it might not be the best way to try and curry God's favor. Now I'm going to take it face value because there were also some people doing some praying up there today that I respect immensely. So I'm going to take it face value that Trump spiritually is a neophyte. He's really just new at a lot of this, and he's and he's and he's got a menagerie of different beliefs and perspectives surrounding him and he's earnestly seeking the right way to do things and and we're all clumsy when we fumble through the darkness i get that that's why we search for the light i i get that i i did the same i understand that i'm going to take it face value that that's true 
but it doesn't work the way it was presented today. It doesn't work that way. And those aren't my words. Those are his. Go read them yourself. We have to be very careful in the way we invoke God into our public and civic affairs. Because he, we don't dictate terms to him, gentlemen. He dictates those terms to us. And so it's not about are we praying to him. It's about what is the motivations behind those prayers. Because if the motivation is there behind those prayers, obedience, Todd, will follow. You are hitting me right where I live, which is why I, it speaks to the frustration I have with the, the previous segment talking about conservatism. This is the conversation I want to have. I don't. I just don't want to be uh, talking about a label that ha- almost has no force, no power. It has no allegiance. Donald Trump, early on in the speech, this is where I, uh, I pricked up. It was kind of slow for about a minute 30 or something like that. And then he said uh, something along the lines of a, a righteous people has a, a righteous cause to have the concerns that they have. Damn right. He was exactly right. This is what this is about. I believe in the things of conservatism, but I think that label is just dead. We need to talk more. The punditry, everybody, in government, out, about righteousness. Who determines what is righteousness? God. Righteousness, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him righteousness. Righteousness is credited by what? Faith. One of the ways we show our faith, Aaron, is to obey. Right. And why do we obey? Because God said it. And why do we obey God? Because he's God. And when you talk about motivations, we can preach all we want. We just heard a mini sermon from you, which you just hit out of the park, Steve. We can preach all we want, but that motivation, that is between you and your maker. Mm -hmm. So it's time, again, to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves in bringing God and invoking God into anything, any part of our life. Now is the time for President Trump and his administration to show the actions that they were sincere in their words. You're listening to Steve Dace. Listening to it will make you feel American. Glory, glory, hallelujah. It's the Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. All right, let's switch gears. Mike Woody's here to take us to the movies. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I am good. For a Friday? Uh, it's, a, it's a Friday in January. It is January 20th. And I have not called snow removal one time. I know. Maybe next week, I think. Maybe next week? Yeah. Well, you know what's going to happen is February is going to be brutal. Uh, it, it's a short it, month. It, it'll even itself out eventually. But say it's a short month. Typically, I How need... brutal can it you be? You know, the rule at my house is three inches or less, I go out there with the uh, plow shovel I have and do it myself. We get above. We get. Uh, we get more than three or four inches. Then I call the snow removal. And typically, on, a, on an average winter, I got to call them three or four times a winter. You don't have a snowblower? I used to, and then I realized, you know, I could just pay somebody to do that for me. <laughs> uh, 
the benefits of when, wow. I, when I was on WHO, I did it myself. When I get into national syndication, I, I, I now pay people to do that. Wow. Uh, you have people. Have that people. is so nice. Do you like that? You're one of them, in fact. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, great. I'm sorry I didn't bring your check. Uh, but it is a, it's a, it's a, I'm sorry I didn't bring yours again for the uh, 14th consecutive year. So this is, uh, this has been a weird winter around here. It, it, in fact, with, you know, it's, and I'm looking at the movies. And it's January, and I'm like, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'm like, is it May? Is it June? There's, there's like three, four, or five movies out right now that I wouldn't mind going to see. That's not typical of this time of year, is it? Yeah, but most of them are leftovers from last year. And whether so, we just got them, so or we're just getting them here is what your argument while, is, right? Because I also remember when I was home for my Christmas break, I'm like, you know, a lot of years, Amy and I will go to the movies three or four times. Yeah, I didn't think there were three or four movies worthy of going out to see during that time. I think we saw, I went and saw Rogue One. Uh, a second time, and I saw Sing, and that was, those were the only only movies I went and saw when I was on my Christmas break. So I think there's more there's, more good movies out now than probably, there were then. There's probably movies that you should have seen, Steve. But, but I'm I just know better. Okay. So what are we reviewing this week? Uh, we've got three movies for you. One is Live by Night, the new Ben Affleck film. <clears throat> uh, one is called Twentieth Century Women. <clears throat> and then there's Patriots Day. Let's start with the uh, Live by Night because I've 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 been following the media. Uh, roll out of this film with Affleck because he is he's losing it right because no one wants to talk to him about this movie right everywhere he goes all he's the press probably better gets, off everybody wants to ask him about Batman and the sad Affleck memes from last year yeah. and uh, and and he you can tell he's on tilt you can tell that if there weren't if someone wasn't willing to pay him twenty million dollars for this he probably just would have like he probably just would have said to Hades with this by now the yes. the amount of hype and pressure that he can't get away from and he's like I spent a year and a half getting live by night ready nobody was asking me where the heck's live by night yeah. everywhere I go it's there's all a about, good reason for that well, I was going to ask you this he's out there saying he took a year and a half to make this movie. Was it time well spent? Here is the deal. As far as I can tell, he thought he was making The Godfather. He's got this big gangster epic. He, but the problem is he walks around in a suit that looks like Al Pacino and Dick Tracy, that yellow thing with the oh hat. Boy. Oh, boy. And it's just, I think he thought he was making this brilliant film, and I am telling you, it was horrible. I was like, what? I just. How can it be horrible? It's horrible. It's a, First ga- off, it's a gangster movie with an Academy Award winning director. Right. All right. Uh, I mean, that unto itself, I mean, y- you should just be able to fall down and make a good movie with that, right? But you know what? We saw this a couple of years ago. Sean Penn, another yeah. Academy Award winning yeah. actor and director, trying to make a gangster movie, right? Yep. And it came out about this time of year, as I recall. Not a good sign, and, by the way. And, yeah, and there was all kinds of hype around it in the movie. No. It sucked. Yeah. Uh, here's the problem. I think the director miscast the lead. Himself. <laughs> it was Now that's a sad Affleck meme. It was a great reminder for me of what a horrible actor Ben Affleck. If Ben Affleck stands up and says this movie would have been better <laughs> if I had, if I had cast a better lead. Greatest director of all time if he says something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he's not going to say it. No. You think it's, he's a horrible actor? I don't think he's a horrible actor. He was, he's... Like, he was great in Argo. Okay. How many... I can match you movie for movie, and I will have more at the end. I thought he was really good as Bruce Wayne. I thought he was he really was good. He was very good. So I'm two Bordering for two. on great for the accountant. So I'm, I, I, just, I just saw that. 
That's on my top ten list. That movie is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that movie is phenomenal. Uh-huh. It was on my top ten list, too. And not very many people had it on their top no, ten I, list. No, I mean, that movie is really, okay, really so good. you've named three Yeah, the first movies? three I mentioned, we all agreed he was great in it. Okay. That's a pretty good track record, don't you think? Yeah, that's really good. How about Gone Girl? I thought that's a great movie, too. It's just it's just deplorable that no one should ever see it, frankly. I stumbled on it accidentally, and I needed a Silkwood shower afterwards. But it's well done, Smut. Clerks, too? Never saw that. Smoking Aces? Don't even know what that is. Jersey, with, Jersey Girl? More with Mike Woody in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. If you believe in lots of free handouts, this is probably not your show. What is it? Do you want more money? It's the Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Mike Woody here taking us to the movies. All right, so Ben Affleck, Live By Night. You said the great director, bad lead actor himself. How many mushroom clouds for this? Two. Now, see, to me... If you think it's a two, it should be lower. Given the subject matter, you gotta don't you gotta grade. This is my scale, by the way. You gotta grade the raw material. You gotta factor that in. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, he's making he's making some of the greatest movies of all time in our in our industry here have been have used this time period as a treasure trove for storytelling. Absolutely. So so you so it's clearly fertile territory, right? Yes. So you have to you have to almost try to blow. This this time in our history, as, as in, in terms of making a movie out of it, I'm going to give him credit for emulating The Godfather. But why would you try to do that? Right. The greatest film ever made. All right, so two mushroom clouds two. for Live by Night. Quickly, let's do the 20th century. 20th century women. women. Oh, I've Annette, never even heard of that. Annette Benning is probably going to get an Oscar nomination. It's set in the 70s in California. You would loathe this movie. It is, which is exactly the, why Annette Bening will probably get an Oscar. Let me guess, lesbian? Uh, no, but there are some. Okay, of course. That, then that, yeah. it's guaranteed. Yes. <laughs> so you've got all of these women living together, and they're just trying to find themselves. Oh, it's just she. The acting is great, but it's just red like, rum. Come on, red rum. The story's just no. It's not there. Too sanctimonious, even for you, huh? Yes, I know that, ladies and gentlemen, is all. Look at Todd. That is all you need to know. And that's a high bar. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It absolutely is. All right. I mean, Mike is the guy that looks at PBS and thinks, this has really gone downhill. Even with subtitles, I would have had a problem. All right. So, so Mike, how many mushroom clouds for 20th Century Woman? Two. Wow. Maybe two and a half for the acting. But, yeah, no. All right. You would hate it. Good. You would be talking about it for years. It would be up there with Dave Chappelle's block Block party. Block party, yes. Uh, which I've never seen, but you and I have had a 13-year conversation about. So, let, <laughs> You know what? Nobody says that you have to be informed. Uh, indeed. I mean, I think this last election has proven that in many cases, unfortunately, on both sides. So, so the movie you and I have both seen that we can actually yes. compare notes, and that is Patriot's Day. Yes. Your review. I thought it was probably one of the most emotionally raw, powerful movies I've seen in a long time. I sat there, literally sat there. What's the running time? Just under two hours, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sat there literally on the verge of tears the entire film. Hmm. Um, I, I, I sense that you didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a you, you, 
I just lost. Heartless. I just lost at the World Series of Poker again. Is Re- that a tell? Feel your chest. Is there anything beating there? Uh, nothing. Is it uh, cold? Uh, stone. That's all. I, I mean, feel. on today, stone. it probably is. I, it's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. I think the second act, the chase of the Zarniavs, I think yes. that's better than the uh, than the the um, the. Uh, portrayal of the event itself i think the second act is really really well it is compelling and kevin bacon is really good agreed i think the second act is really good the the way they cleverly intersperse news footage file footage from that we've not seen publicized before that is public now in this movie now and and i didn't you don't know sometimes what is what is the real footage and what is i was gonna say i didn't go in and check to see but it looks like when they're using footage from surveillance cameras that looks like Actual agreed. footage. Agreed. I thought. I thought so too. And if it's not, then that's darn well done. Right. So, uh, it's it's a really good movie. It tells a very powerful story. Here's the issue I had. Okay. I, and and I'm a Mark Wahlberg fan. All right. I am. I like Mark. I like him on a human level, and I like the fact he makes popcorn level popcorn movies as well. Mike, there had to be 650 f bombs in this movie, Mike. Mike, I've never seen – and I – listen, guys, I grew up with a Navy sailor abusive stepdad who used the F-bomb like a conjunction junction, what's your function, schoolhouse rock. I played sports all my life where my name many times was preceded by the F-bomb. You got it wrong again, blank dace. Run that drill again, blank dace. I've heard it all my life, Okay. But but I, 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 this was distracting. I, I felt like Quentin Tarantino was going to jump in here and say, "Guys, cut it out!" Right? We 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 passed Reservoir Dogs about forty five minutes ago. I mean, it is even when they're sitting there trying to have like this spiritual moment towards the end. Mm-hmm. There's like twenty eight of them. I mean, it it's to the point. It was to the point of distraction to me. And I am not a shrinking violet, man. So, But I, I just found myself, after a while, I found myself keeping a tally. I, I, it was way over the top. You know, I, I didn't even notice. I honestly, I couldn't tell you one moment when I heard one. And, and so that this sounds one weird. Of, this means one of two things. You are a moral reprobate that it just slid off you, or... Possibly guilty. Or, or... <laughs> well, then let's just stop there. Can I just raise my hand? Talk to me. <laughs> that way the audience doesn't know. <laughs> Most of America's like, well, tell us something we don't know. Uh, he'll be teaching religious studies at a parish near you this Wednesday. Is this on? <laughs> yeah. uh, but either you're a moral reprobate and it just slid right off you, or you found the story so compelling that that just... You were engrossed in that aspect of it, and it just kind how of about, went past How you. about options? three that this was the most heinous thing that these people had ever seen or been through and that I, I think they do things I get that I get that I, I understand I get it explain to me then why we made the longest how they made the longest day you want to talk about an oppressive event you, how about facing Nazi occupation of Western civilization how'd they make these kinds of movies 30 40 years ago without 700 f-bombs because they weren't realistic okay. you, 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 you are you telling me that you those you people don't think, you don't think midway is realistic you, do you don't think, think the longest no. day is realistic no I don't think for a minute that those guys did not use the f-bomb okay. during that I'm not saying not that. for a minute I, I, and, and I don't even care that they even used it I was just like it was like well, that it's bu- it was like a howitzer. It's also the East Coast. Well, I posted this on Facebook, and I had so many people say to me, 
You haven't been to Boston recently, <laughs> yeah, have you? It, it's Boston. All right. This is the way the altar boys talk. Okay, this is this is this is vernacular of this of that city. You yeah. haven't been there recently. I don't know. I just yeah. I found it distracting. I I love the ending of the movie. How I like they, the ending how they of it switch too. immediately. I like and it too. And they're at Boston Stadium, and Big Poppy comes out, and he throws an f bomb. I know. I do remember there was that. One more. Okay, but he said that. That was even in the wrap up. To make you feel good, they had to like you know they had to throw one more in. And and what did the stadium do? It erupted. It's it's one thing to use it for like an effect, like a moment like that. Yes. But when I've heard it eight hundred times before in the movie, you're like, I, 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 really, Steve? One these more? people these people are walking down the street, and there are legs and arms laying on the sidewalk. I feel like throwing one right now. So I'm I'm the terrible person, obviously. <laughs> more in a moment. I won't. You're listening to Steve Dace. Some people work for what they get, and some people ask for Uncle Sam to give it to them. I know, but I deserve it! Decide who you want to be, and listen to The Steve Day Show. Alright, so Mike Woody, I never did ask you how many mushroom clouds for F-Bomb Day, otherwise known as Patriot's Day. I will give it four and a half. You wow. know, did you see the exit scores on com- is it comp score or something like that? A plus. Oh, like Cinescope and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Where the audience gives their... Yeah. Yeah. I, That's a pretty high... Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. I just... Now, you took Amy. I did, yeah. Did she cry? No, we did not cry. Oh, my God. Sue was a puddle. Really? We didn't oh. cry. It was just... And, and I, I mean, it wasn't during one scene or another. It was just... That whole emotional level was just... I can honestly say... You have convinced me I am a terrible human being in the last five minutes. And that's taken 14 years. <laughs> Holy cow. Mike drop. <laughs> I'm, Mike has convinced me I'm a religious legalist counting F-bombs in a movie about a tremendous uh, ordeal and the worst domestic terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11. And the fact that my wife and I did not cry at the end. Um, Mike, you have branded me. Heartless. What is new on demand? <laughs> For the uh, speaking of heartless, uh, the only real movie—I mean, Ouija—I I don't even think I saw Ouija. And it's I, Ouija, by the way. Oh well, Ouija. Yeah, we had a Ouija board. You had a Ouija board when I was I told you I was really into that occult stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, I had one. Wow, we called it a Ouija board. Yeah, it's a Ouija board. It's, oh. it's actually Ouija, but yeah. okay. Uh, I didn't see the movie, but it didn't look good. I did see the girl on it's the got, train. Uh, it's got Henry Thomas in it from ET, right? He's all grown up, plays a priest in the movie? Um, he's listed there. Yeah, I, th- I saw him on the cast list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the only major release of the week is The Girl on the Train, which... Is a terrible movie. It is a terrible... The book was, it was my take very one, compelling. It was my take one for the team annual. Yeah. All right, because Amy loved the book. It was my take I, one for the team annual, and she... Put it this way. She apologized to me as we were leaving the theater. I loved the book. And that's why it's only an annual thing right there. I told you. No, I mean we we typically actually try to agree on movies when we go most of the time, but there. But Amy a, has better taste. A couple times a year, I will say, 
I will go to something. I, and what's, I your, really what's don't the one see. you took? The, what's the best one? The best one is the year we went and saw The Notebook, which is a great movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> 14 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so for me to not like this Cause, movie, cause, and Emily you know, Blunt is in it? You know, what's funny is when Amy and I, when this happens, and she goes, every time I take you to one of these, they're terrible. I said, that's not always the case. She, always the case. She's like, name one that was actually good when you took one for the team. And I said, The Notebook. She's like, that was 12 years ago. <laughs> You know, and that's always the same one you bring up. You know, so, so she, tell her for twelve years she's been bad. Yes, I don't. Want, you tell her that. No, I will not. I like your wife. All right, so that's it. That's it, really. Yeah, that's the major release. And I'm what about keeping you. up with the Joneses? I saw that was out. Is that any good? Um, with Zach Galifianakis, I have not seen and Gal it. Godot. Nor have I seen a good review of it. Okay, so take your shot, Michael. We will see you next week. All right, we'll come back with the Days Group Roundtable next hour. Listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with hour two of the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review here on the Salem Radio Network. Don't forget, in case you missed it, we've got up on our Facebook wall the archived simulcast, courtesy of C-SPAN, who was here in our studios last night, carrying our show as we did it live. You can go back and watch that, including getting the uh, not-so-witty banter uh, during the commercial breaks. You can also use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, to get your early bird discount on the soon-to-come brand-new Steve Day Show that will be moving to CRTV in February. CRTV.com is where you can go to subscribe. 30 cents a day if you do so now using the promo code DACE and you'll get to watch us live each and every weekday afternoon. Again, that is coming in February. What's coming right now is the DACE group. Your weekly look at the week that was. No Kim this week, so... She did such a mediocre job a week ago, we brought her back again to fill in for Kim. New York talk show host Shannon Joy is here with us alongside Todd and Aaron. Let's get to issue one. We give it back to you, the people. Gotham is yours. And will, to the best of my ability, and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. And with that, it really is President Donald J. Trump. Real estate mogul turned reality TV star has turned into the leader of the free world. Trump took his oath of office on the same Bible Abraham Lincoln was sworn in on. And he also took part of his oath on the Bible his mother gave him when he was a child. Trump has made scores of promises for his first 100 days in office, and he's expected to make good on at least a few of those very soon by way of rolling back President Obama's or former President Obama's executive orders. We should know fairly quickly how much different the new boss is from the old boss. First question, Donald Trump is the president of the United States on a scale of one to ten, with one being saw this coming, ten being 
the ramblings of a lunatic. How crazy is that phrase to say, really? I ask you, Shannon. Well, hello, Steve. Thanks for having me again today. And I have to say, uh, for me, uh, of last year, it, it's about a five. And if you had talked to me in you know August of 2016, it may have been a, a 10. I never in a million years saw a Donald Trump presidency coming. It never even entered my mind. There was no way that I thought the American people would go for that. But uh, there are a few things that happened during the primary season that jumped out to me between November and February of 2016 that made me think that there was something, you know, maybe something more. Uh, one was the level of sophistication and propaganda that he used that simply engulfed the right wing media, the thousands of Twitter bots that he paid to vote for Trump on in those online polls, uh, the fake right wing news media outlets like Printly and Red State News that poured out over into Breitbart. It was at that point that I noticed there was a higher level of sophistication in his campaign. And then, you know, secondly, it was after uh, the, the the victory of Ted Cruz in the Iowa caucuses, uh, when I saw the attacks on Ted Cruz, uh, the attacks leveled, the lies and deceit that came out of the Ben Carson campaign and the silence of the Christian right, I knew at that point something stirred in me that thought, you know, there might be a little bit of spiritual warfare going on right here. And I, I at that point, began to um, be a little more concerned about the, the possibility of a Trump presidency. Todd? Well, early on in this thing, I'd say I was about a three. Wanted him to be in the race. It was, certainly wasn't the guy I uh, backed, but I thought he would be good for the race. And then it, it, he seemed to devolve into madness. Definitely stepped away from that, so I would be with Shannon of moving towards a 10. But ultimately, I would end up on her number, I think a five, because of a philosophy I held long before Donald Trump, and I firmly believe it's one of my boilerplates. The status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. What we saw just happen with Trump certainly has some unique specific qualities, but broadly speaking, this stuff happens in history all the time. The, the, and people do, don't always know when they're in the middle of the time tur tide turning. Quite frequently, they don't. But here it is, and it's something to behold. Aaron. It was a 10 on uh, Election Day, or the day after Election Day. And right now, for me, it's a, it's a 6. I've I, I had many of these moments, especially close to the election, where I would just um, I would just stop it. It would just hit me. Donald Trump, the apprentice from The Apprentice, is the leader of the free world. It was like those moments from the TV show Lost. Remember when they started bouncing around through time and they couldn't control it? And the <laughs> closer together they got, the more their nose would bleed. Except that's happening to me in reverse. The further along through time that we get, uh, the less of those types of moments I'm having, and it's becoming more See, normal to me. For me, the the apprentice part is I have the same feeling, but not about the apprentice part because for me, that's the equivalent of Reagan being a, a B movie star. See, I was going to go there next. I think what's different here about saying I cannot believe a guy who went to a, a heretical Marxist church is the new president of the United States, Barack Obama. I cannot believe a B-movie star who, who appeared with monkeys on screen, Ronald Reagan, is the president of the United States. I can't believe a peanut farmer is the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. We could do this, right, with, with several different characters. Mm -hmm. I think what sets this one apart is he didn't, as Jimmy Carter didn't go from peanut farmer to president. 
He was a governor. Ronald Reagan didn't go from B-movie actor to president. He was a governor. Governor of maybe the most influential state in the union, in fact. Um, you look at, uh, who was the other one? Barack Obama didn't go from, I, I went to a Marxist heretical church to president. I was a U.S. senator. So we got used to seeing these people, despite... Um, those who ideologically opposed them still felt uneasy the day they took office about what they would do once there. But, but, the, but there wasn't a visceral at the time. There, when they first came in, there wasn't this visceral um, anathema. People weren't looking for garlic, making signs of the cross, because there had been some sort of in-between landing spot. We were used to seeing them in some form of governing role. This guy is going from those stations directly to the White House. And I think that is, don't you think, Shannon, part of what is creating this sense of uneasiness among some is is that we, he's never been in a governing function, so we really don't know what he will do. Well, absolutely. And I'm reminded by an exchange between a, a radio host and uh, Newt Gingrich about six months ago as they were discussing who to pick for uh, to run in the primary. And the, at one point, Newt Gingrich, Newt Gingrich said, you know, we really don't know anything about him. We have no idea what he's going to do. And the, the two of them just laughed hilariously like that was just some hilarious thing. And so it, we are with an unknown entity. The, the thing thing that surprised me the most in all of this was the embrace, not not the, the, the tepid support, but the embrace, the warm embrace that Christian conservatives gave to Donald Trump. I never saw that coming, not for a million years. Todd? Yeah, and, and no one could, uh, particularly because, and this is where the surreal part comes in for me, uh, this feels like we are just basically one short step removed of putting Hugh Hefner in the White House. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's crazy to me. Not that he hosted The Apprentice thing totally makes sense. But the fact that— Can he make the trains that, run on time? That, well, that— Bring my jobs back. Will he the, secure the border? The fact that, that people— All that matters. Talk about that so comfortably. People in our circles, at our churches, uh, and, and do not focus on, you know what? One person, if the person is a reprobate, their version of making the trains run on time might be entirely different than yours. Yeah, even Eisenhower, I mean, he uh, he was in the military, of course, uh, before he uh, became president. And so I, I, I wasn't alive back then, obviously, and I don't think anybody uh, here was. But at least you, you might have gotten the um, you might have gotten the thought in your head that, hey, at least this guy will be able to keep our country safe with Trump. There's still a lot of people who are like, well, I hope we don't, as you've used the example, um, uh, Steve, before, I hope we don't wake up to find out that Trump started a nuclear war with China because of something that they tweeted to him over not you know so there is that uh, bit of uh, of skepticism i guess yeah, yeah we don't know we 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 don't know and i think that it is truly remarkable the lack of self-awareness from the outgoing president we'll talk more about him in a moment but the lack of self-awareness of the outgoing president and some of his most ardent supporters that they don't see the number one reason really when you boil it all down and we heard this in phone calls last night on the show guys the number one reason so many people that voted for Obama twice voted for Trump on November the 7th is because they really just came to the conclusion, just like my mom did, who's a lifelong Democrat, just really came to the conclusion Barack Obama doesn't love America and is some form of a communist. And that's why they did it. And, I, and, and their lack of self-awareness on that front will continue to be their undoing until they come to that realization. Exit question. I posed this earlier today on Twitter. Now I'm going to ask each of you. Now the Trump era is here. Are you optimistic, pessimistic, or hopefully skeptic? Todd. Hopefully skeptic. Aaron. Hopefully skeptic. Shannon. 
ditto. Hopefully skeptic. Yeah, this was kind of an easy one to start off yeah. with. I think hopefully skeptic is the clear answer, and it's it's running away with our Twitter poll so far today. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to issue two. I'm a racist. You're a racist. Wouldn't you like to be a racist, too? In an interview with NBC News' Meet the Press, Representative John Lewis from Georgia had some harsh words for then-President-elect Donald Trump last weekend. You know, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in trying to work with people. Unless you're a Republican. Um, It's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. When pressed to explain why, he cited allegations of Russian hacks during the campaign that led to the release of internal documents from the Democratic National Committee and Hillary's campaign co-chairman, John Podesta. Trump fired back at Lewis, questioning his legitimacy as the incoming president in a pair of tweets last Saturday morning, saying that the long-serving Georgia congressman should, quote, spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime-infested, rather than falsely complaining about the election results. All talk, 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 no action or results. Sad. End quote. Being that all of this happened right before Martin Luther King Jr. Day added another layer of controversy to the story, a story which has already played out numerous times and surely will over the next four years. Someone criticizes Trump, Trump tweets, and the media goes into an uproar until the next shiny object comes along. First question here on this front. This one goes to you, Todd. Who won this exchange between Lewis and Trump? Or were there no winners? What say you? Well, of course, on one level, is there really a winner when two grown men are throwing, and they're both over the age of 70, are just throwing feces at each other? No. But this whole story is a perfect microcosm of the mood of the country and this last election. So therefore, the answer is quite obvious donald trump wins this exchange the 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 emotional level the hysterics it's no different than we've we've seen over and over and over again and that is reflected today in uh uh, trump's uh, inaugural speech very populist in tone it's your country we're giving it back to you we're tired of you we're the people we're tired of this nonsense so this is this is an easy one it's trump shannon what do you think Well, I think it depends on what the goal was of the exchange. Is the goal to make Trump look presidential? If that's the goal, then he failed miserably. But I don't think that was the purpose. I think, uh, you know, I'm going to agree with what you just stated. Donald Trump is the boxer. This is the boxing match, and the American people want the entertainment. His job over the next four years, in my opinion, is to distract us with the Twitter wars, the attacks by fake news, and keep us all riled up, keep the right-wing news agitated, and angry uh, so that they're focusing on what you know what you said the shiny objects rather than the substance of what is coming out of his administration you'll notice that most of the right-wing news media outlets ignored most of the Senate confirmation hearings uh, which ended up being a um, you know a gathering of predictably establishment elites cabinet appointments that featured a who's who of the Washington swamp that Trump promised to drain so if the goal was distracting us from that he wins. 
I love what she said about the goal of looking presidential because not once has Donald Trump ever consciously tried to air quotes look presidential, whatever right. that means. And here he is, the president of the United States. Right, it's crazy. You know, I would say that Lord Nefarious was the uh, winner of this exchange because Lord Nefarious <laughs> loves winning. He only hires the best winners. Uh, this and that. But for right now, you're hired. Yeah, but for right now, I fired uh, you last night. You can come back now. Yes. Oh, thanks. Uh, I came back anyway. But yeah. uh, oh yeah, that is was, you. What? Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but no. I Donald. You're absolutely right. Right. Donald Trump is the winner. Nobody who tries to take him on, especially in the media sphere, in the media, is going to win. Not right now. Now, until Donald Trump makes uh, a huge mistake or makes a huge boo-boo that causes even his, his most ardent supporters, which, let's face it, that'll take quite uh, something to do, causes some of his uh, supporters to start to doubt him just a little bit, that's when you see these exchanges start to go the other way for Trump. But right now, he's King Kong, uh, Superman, you know, he's got nothing on him, at least in the media sphere. And yet he is sitting there with the lowest approval rating of any incoming president in American history. So this note, because I think we would agree with, would, would, would all of us agree at least with the framework of what Aaron just articulated? Does anybody here on the panel fundamentally disagree with the dynamic that he just laid out? No. Shannon, do you disagree with that fundamentally? No, no, okay. not at all. All right, so then reconcile this with the fact he's got the lowest approval rating of any incoming president. Does this, does this, does what Aaron has just described, does it speak to the strength of Trump or does it speak to the weakness of the left, that they have way outkicked their coverage, they have pushed this country to a fringe it's not willing to accept, and that the rubber band is snapping back? And this is even really about Trump as much as he's just a blunt instrument of people expressing their frustration at what I just described. Um, I'll, I'll see your stat and I'll raise you another. Why is president, if, if this is the weakness of the left, then why is President Obama going out of office with, what, an upwards of 57, 58% approval rating? Exactly. How do we reconcile all of these things? Shannon, what do you think? Quickly. You know, I think it is the nature of the electorate. We're used to being abused as Americans, and we don't believe that any party or any president will actually do what they say. So we are a jaded nation, and uh, we're just looking for someone to kick things around. Todd? Well, in Obama's case, white guilt is worth about 10 points. And furthermore, in terms of Trump, the our Venn diagram, we just don't have any overlap anymore. The default to give a guy a chance, there's less of a possibility to do that, whether it's going to in the future, unless something changes, whether it's Donald Trump or anybody else. We just don't share a country anymore. You know, is it is it maybe just simpler? Let's go Occam's razor here. Is it simpler? Maybe we're overanalyzing it. You know, the old Keith Jackson line, analyzing is paralyzing. Is it just as simple as people really like Barack Obama, they just think his ideas are bad and don't work? Right? Because on one hand, the same people that are saying he's got a nearly Reagan-esque approval rating on his way out the door, um, 18% of Americans think the country's on the right track. Is it just as simple as they think, you know, I, I like the guy. He seems like a really nice guy. I just think his ideas are poop. I just think he doesn't know how to run a country, and nothing personal. Steve. You know, I like you, but Steve. I just—is it possible no. that that level of adult no. discernment is happening? No, no. That's but, that's my answer. No. You said, or was <laughs> well, it? Then, a, then tell me why fifty-seven percent think the guy's doing a great job, and eighteen percent think the guy's doing the wrong the right track. He's new. Well, the president or President Trump is new, and he's shiny, and he's something else. And no, people, we're talking uh, about Obama now. We're yeah. talking about the distinction with Obama now. You said uh, it earlier. Go. I'm sorry. Well, I think I think people. I think that's I. I I don't know why he has such a high approval rating, because I haven't seen that level of dis discernment from the American electorate uh, probably in my lifetime ever. Because we just I think we now I think people approve of his personality. Uh, and I think maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what they're voting for. But I 
I don't see the the level. Of you said it earlier this week, Steve, or late last week, that Barack Obama thinking the things he thinks uh, would never have been reelected unless what? He 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 got a, another chance because he was black. Yeah, I thought he got another chance because he was black, and people wanted wanted to hope that if they gave him another four years, that he would move us and, in a, into a post racial America. I think the same thing is true of a positive approval rate. And I actually am not begrudging people. I get that. I do understand that. All right, let's get to the exit question. Would you advise Trump to get rid of his Twitter account or keep wielding it as a weapon? And there's no in between choice. No in between choice. You're dealing with Trump, so it's one extreme choice or another. There is no middle ground of discernment. It's Donald Trump we're talking about. So which is it, Aaron? Keep it. Keep it. Absolutely, got to keep doing what got you here in the first place, Shannon. Absolutely, never give up the Twitter account ever. You know, we all agree again. To me, I think. The answer is, now that he's president, I actually think the collateral damage he can cause himself is less than it was as a candidate. Um, and so, therefore, I think it absolutely, the damage he can inflict on his opposition outweighs that collateral damage. So, I would advise him to keep it. We'll come back with more in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Issue three, learning no lessons as the fake news continues. Donald Trump is now president of the United States, and in doing so has shattered whatever credibility the media had, or at least thought it had, left. Molly Hemingway at The Federalist this week published four examples from just the past few days of why nobody trusts the media. One, the New York Times had a hit piece on Rick Perry where the Times writers claimed without any evidence that Rick Perry thought he was going to be a global ambassador for U.S. energy as chair of the U.S. Energy Department, and that after a while he discovered that he'd actually be doing something completely different. Total lies and fabrication. Number two, the time this week when the Washington Post mocked Trump's ag secretary pick, Sonny Perdue, for praying. Three, that time the Washington Post called Trump's potential pick for science advisor, David Galerner, an anti-intellectual. Galerner is considered, at least from a 1992 piece from the New York Times, as one of the seminal thinkers in parallel computing. And finally, on MLK Jr. Day, CNN's Jim Acosta tried to get Martin Luther King III to say something bad about Donald Trump. Repeatedly. It's not just that the media is learning all the wrong lessons. It's that it seems they're learning no lessons at all. Indeed. Let's get to the first question here to you, Shannon. Is the media just hell-bent on destroying itself? Are they just this unself-aware? Are they lazy? Do they really believe the stuff they're saying? So this is a worldview blindness issue? What say you? They're victims of their own doing, right? So the left-wing mainstream media, th- this is a known entity uh, they have uh, discredited themselves, and it was became patently obvious during the 2016 election. But the thing is, I mean, we know who they are. We know what they always do. It's very predictable what the mainstream media is going to do. So I would say let allow them to continue to go up against Donald Trump and discredit themselves even further. They're, they're largely impotent right now. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at Trump. To no avail, he still prevailed. What I'm more interested in right now, honestly, is what the right-wing media is going to do over the next 18 months. 
I will be keenly watching them um, really because they're going to be the ones who can actually influence Donald Trump and steer him on a constitutional path as opposed to a tyrannical dictatorship type path. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see to me whether or not the, the traditional standard bearers, the big talkers, the right wing news media is going to uh, hold Trump accountable. They're the ones that are in the position of power right now. They're the ones that I'm focused on. Interesting uh, analysis there. And I like looking at it from the other side there, uh, but that doesn't mean it's right just because I agree with her. What do you think, Todd? Well, 12 years of reporting at a newspaper talking here. They really do believe the news they print, the idea of what we think a journalist should be. They believe it from the perspective of what they are, a crusader, a true believer, a propagandist. Uh, and if you know them long enough... And, I, and you are forced this upon them, many of them will concede the fact, as many uh, did to me, because they are safe ensconced behind their typewriters, and, and they're just going to do what they're going to do, and they know they, they, at the end of the day, they'll, they, to me, they basically said scoreboard. But they are crusaders. They believe it from that perspective. It is a means to an end to push their worldview, their agenda. Aaron? Uh, Proverbs sixteen twenty seven. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. There are tons of verses and proverbs about uh, laziness and what happens um, when you have a lazy media mixed yeah. with a lazy electorate or a lazy um, a group of people who are to just f take anything that they that they uh, feed them. You get what we have in America now uh, nowadays, which is just a completely low information, no truth or low truth. Populist. That's what's happened here. It's not just the media that's been lazy. It's also the people consuming that la that media who is lazy. And I think that's probably one of the better explanations, at least that I can formulate, of why we are where we are. Does the low information or does the lazy media produce the lazy populace or does the lazy populace permit the rise of a lazy media? I, I, I get the, the question that you're, you're asking. Right. I, I think it's moot, though. I mean, what we just based on what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, they both feed to each other, uh, feed into each other. Um, but I think it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I pr place personal responsibility on the sh shoulders of each person. So I'm always going to blame um, the people consuming the media rather than the media itself. There is a bit of both there, but if I do have to pick one, I would say the lazy populace. I mean, in newspapers, for example, yes, they are dying a slow death, but a, a, a truly attentive people w believing in their obligation to uphold the tenets of their civilization would have called BS on this thing a long time ago and said, I am not buying this product anymore. But the pe people say things like, oh, I just like to read a newspaper and I like it in my hand. And we go on that path mm. for years as the country falls apart. Exit question. What media outlets do you always rely on, Todd? Baseball box scores. <laughs> Aaron. Twitter. Nice. Shannon? Yeah, I'm a Twitter fan. I follow a lot of different versions. All right. And, uh, yeah, to me, uh, it, it, my own discernment uh, is the answer. My own discernment. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Back again on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to issue four, the end. You know, I, I changed those things that were in direct, my direct control. I mean, look, I'm proud of the fact that 
with two weeks to go, we're probably the first administration in modern history that hasn't had a major scandal in the White House. In that sense, we changed some things. That was from former President Obama's final TV interview on 60 Minutes. But millions of Americans, especially those who voted for Trump, would beg to differ. President Obama's administration issued a startling number of executive overreaches in his time. Sued nuns created the Design for Failure Obamacare, let the military dwindle and allowed parts of it to become a social experiment for the rainbow jihad, dropped 72 bombs a day on foreign countries during his last year in office, allowed the national debt to grow to more than $19 trillion, oversaw the largest departure from the workforce and those dependent on government in modern times, tried to enact immigration policy via pen and phone, tried to cover up the fast and furious gun run, and the list goes on ad infinitum. But he's not the president anymore. Is there anything redeeming uniting at all about Obama's legacy in the White House, Todd? Yes. Uh, I'll never, ever take away from him the fact that it was on his watch and it was his call to go in and kill Osama bin Laden the way he did. That was stone cold, no matter who your president is, to just say, yeah, that's a sovereign country. Uh, We're going in. We're not telling him because this is the right thing to do. Uh, I'll... I applauded him then. I'll never take that away from him. It was, a, it was as I said, it was stone cold. Shannon. Uh, absolutely. This is what happened during uh, Obama's tenure. Uh, in the time that he took office, homeschooling has exploded in growth, 62% in the past eight years. Uh, gun ownership, specifically concealed carry gun ownership, has uh, soared in America, 2 million a year in 1999. I see what you're doing there, Shannon. Shannon yeah. is doing exactly what I was going to do. We're going to have to stop having her on. She Did keeps, I steal you? She keeps taking away my own, she keeps preempting my own takes. We apparently share a brain, but go ahead and continue. <laughs> Shannon, you may continue. Commence off festival. Go ahead. And, and so on and so forth. Um, it's He spawned the liberty movement, which is bottom up. It's inside out. It, it is returning us to our constitution, our declaration of independence, our bill of rights. It's, it's forcing people to, to look at those documents again. I never would have been on the radio if it weren't for the Obama presidency. That's just my own little personal story. So uh, bad, but good. Thank you for sucking so bad. <laughs> I think we let's go with let's be dignified on his way out the door, Aaron, and say that uh, what Shannon was doing was complimenting the former president, the forty fourth president, as a galvanizing force. How about that? You like that? Yeah, there's nothing. Um, there's nothing good. I mean, yes, there is that. I, I kind of forgot about the whole Osama bin Laden. That's a good take, Todd. But there's there's nothing like positive in terms of inspiring people to rise above their base nature uh, from his presidency, even though it felt like that. Uh, for a lot of people during both of his runs with the hope and change and all of this and that, um, there, there was nothing that called people to, to rise above um, their base nature. The only positive that I, that I can see from uh, President Obama is that uh, it, this is like shock therapy um, for a lot of people. This is like, oh, this is what Marxism actually looks like on a day-to-day basis every day for eight years. That's what it looks like. Okay, I don't like this. I don't want any more of this. So that's the only thing that I can see. I also think that um, he should be given credit. Uh, that I, I do think that he actually moved us through to a post-racial America, and I think that's why the race baiters are acting out um, in such extremes. I think that's why they're becoming increasingly violent, in, increasingly boorish, um, and increasingly bullying 
is because the normal the normal nomenclature the 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 vernacular that all of us here grew up with to some varying degrees that were that was accepted and just taken as this was the state of race and discrimination in America. Um, his ability to, to, to transcend all of that and get elected. And then despite the fact that his first term did not deliver on many of its promises, get reelected again. And then despite the fact that many Amer- most Americans think the vast majority of components they judge a presidency by has been a failure, even though they still like him, so they still are able to see him as an individual aside from uh, how they feel his presidency is gone, I think does it once more, which leaves now all the talking points are gone now. The, the, the stuff they've used to say, well, we can't go there, you're not allowed to talk about these things, I think that's all gone now. And so they're really only left with these sorts of mobocracy tactics in many respects, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I think that Barack Obama ended up exposing uh, the scam that is the perpetually grieved race baiting industry top. Yeah, I can buy that, you know, and he also showed us. Uh, us, the right, whatever that is, what having the courage of your convictions looks like. We haven't seen that for a long, long time. Uh, this guy was a MMA fighter, yes. you know, uh, fighting a bunch of people who like to play um, flag football at best, yeah. at best. And, you know, they still have to take a time out every five minutes to go take out suck from their inhaler. So, yeah, the, the, I hope we were taking, well, no doubt Donald, you know, no doubt Donald Trump was taking notes, but um, I hope uh, I hope the, some of the gentlemen in Congress, uh, and it's not McConnell, that's never going to happen, but some who have been pulling their punches for far too long start slugging. What I also hear you saying, therefore, is that you can be successful in American politics as a crusader. And that's what he was. You know, we always break people down in politics to crusaders, gangsters, and groupies. And he is a crusader. He is, he is out to win an argument with history, and that is why he never moved to the middle like Bill Clinton did after he got spanked by the American people in his first midterm election, After he got, and then again after he got reelected. Uh, he never, never attempted. He, he, he forced the other side to negotiate against himself. He, really, he was willing to lose to, in order to advance what he believed by hook or by crook. My fear is that a lot of our people took a look at that and and understood that yes we need somebody merciless with our worldview to undo what he did my fear is though that they that we may have elected somebody who will not undo what he did but will continue doing what he did albeit in a way that we might prefer but those precedents remain in place that will be used against us later on and i hope that i'm wrong about that exit question i'm going to say this a lot the next 4 years actually i hope i'm wrong about that i really want right. to be wrong about that in fact just that's an evergreen put that on loop we should use that as a as a jeb bush please clap gotcha. i'm going to be saying that a ton the next 4 years please i want to be wrong about that on a scale of 1 to 10 with 1 being waterworld and 10 being avatar how successful was the obama presidency shannon uh, I would give him a nine, politically speaking, wildly successful, because to, to piggyback on what you guys said... Quickly, we're almost out of time. Oh, sorry. Darn it. Nine is good. Ten. Nine. <laughs> I would say for him, ten. The answer is, if Trump keeps his promises, it's a three or a four. If Trump does not keep his promises, it's a nine or a ten. Predictions are next. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back one final time here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to 
our look ahead. You know, we spend most of this hour taking a look back. It is now time to look ahead. Time for predictions. Shannon, ladies first. Go ahead. All right. I have a sneaky suspicion that the Democrats will try to seek a scalp um, from Trump's cabinet nominees. And based on the grassroots revolt that we're seeing among conservative Common Core warriors across the nation regarding Betsy DeVos, the the education secretary, and what I'm seeing on the ground regarding union movement and Democrat action committees forming to oppose her, I think that uh, they might give Betsy DeVos a run for her money. Todd, you have been uh, you've been forecasting this for a couple of weeks along those lines. What's your prediction? She must be right because that was my exact prediction. The, I, I, that that they would be going after DeVos or uh, the uh, who's the, na- the guy heading interior over global warming. Um, forgive me, I can't remember his name yet. Either DeVos or him will be the scout they pick first, and it's going to be happened by the time uh, school gets Did out. Do you mean Pruitt summer. at EPA? Is yeah, that thank you're talking you. Thank about? you. Okay. Hey, that's what I meant. I okay. apologize. Uh, my uh, prediction is that uh, sometime within the first three weeks of, um, uh, of his presidency, Donald Trump will issue an executive order that's coming out of left field, not left as in liberal or pro- progressive, but an executive order that a lot of people didn't see coming. And it will be very magnificent in some way. Now, I didn't make this my prediction because I thought for sure one of you guys would, particularly since it's your team. And Aaron specializes in low-lying fruit predictions. Nobody predicted the winners of the uh, NFL Conference Championship games on Sunday. Oh, well, not only will I do that, I'll remind you of the conversation we had on predictions back in August when we called our Super Bowl shot, Packers-Steelers. I'm still in the ballgame. You are. Mine were mine was the Patriots and the Cardinals. I had the wrong uh, A team. Uh, it was Atlanta, not Arizona. That was my preseason Super Bowl pick. Football is dead to me. Football is dead to you after last week. You mean a game where you guys scored two more touchdowns than your opposition at home still and still lost? lost? Never happened before in NFL playoff history. Thank um, you, Steve. Thank you so much. <laughs> Way to just pour some salt into that wound. Appreciate right. it. Here's my prediction for this week. For the first time since 2005... 2017 will see economic growth of more than 3% for the year. Hasn't happened since 2005. I think we will see it this year. Some of that's going to be Trump's policies. I do think they will do well on deregulation. Uh, I think some of it will even be him threatening corporations over Twitter, um, which I think has already worked to some varying degrees, even if it's a a tactic that uh, we don't necessarily appreciate. Some of it is I also think you reach a point where timing is everything, and, and people don't want to be in a malaise forever. They just don't, regardless, unless they're just ideologically committed to their side, to a, to a point of self-immolation. After a while, the average person just says, you know, I live to fight another day. I'd like to actually live a good life at some point. And I think we're at that juncture. I, I, I think people are just... All right, screw it. I think the guy's nuts. But I'm tired of, of a malaise. I'm, I'm tired of nothing happening. And so I think the timing is right for people to have optimism about the future again. And I think that will be reflected 12 months from now when we get 3% or more growth in the economy. Shannon, we'll see you next week. Hour 3 is next. Thank you so much. You're listening to Steve Dace. About to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our 
rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 3 of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Don't forget that we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Also, don't forget, coming in February, this show is moving to CRTV. If you liked watching us last night on C-SPAN, you'll get to watch us live every afternoon only at CRTV.com beginning in February. So you can get your early bird uh, subscription now, substantial discount if you use, if you use promo code DACE. That's my name, D-E-A-C. It'll cost you just 30 cents a day. You'll be able to have access to the live video show as well as the uh, podcast that will be archived later on. Again, CRTV.com. Use my promo code DACE to get the early bird discount with the new show on its way as we join the lineup with Mark Stein, Mark Levin. Uh, who else? Michelle Malkin, Steve Crowder. I mean, this is becoming quite the lineup here. I can't believe they allowed us to join uh, such uh, highfalutin names. But, you know, every city needs its red light district. It's now time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, it is three questions. Aaron gets to ask us three questions about anything. Nothing's off limits, but he has to answer the same questions himself. So, Aaron, please don't make me regret this tonight. You got it. Uh, question one, what's the most cringeworthy thing you've ever done? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we're going to play it. Doubling and tripling down. Careful what you ask for, that, Steve. That's questions well, one, two, and three. Yes. Well, well played, <laughs> my young Padawan. Well played. Uh, what is the most cringeworthy thing you've ever done or I, said? I've ever done or said. I think I think this one's pretty easy for me to answer, guys. Don't you? Uh, me, Twitter, Carly Fiorina. Live on a presidential debate with 20 million people watching, assinity ensues. That would be it, Todd. That would be it. And it was one of those moments where as soon as you hit click, you're like, no! And then you can't bring it back. That would be it. Wow, uh, I can't. I don't know if I can play. This on is the that part level. where Todd says, "You know, I just no. don't think about myself enough." I, too. I, 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 no, no, that's no, where no, Todd no. goes. You know, no. I was in confession the other day, and it just dawned on me: I don't pray enough. You know, I thought I was praying that's an hour a day, and I just cringed knowing I was only praying an hour a day. There will know? be no Jesus juke here. Okay. I, right. There are many examples, and I'm sure my wife might uh, list several of them for you. Do you have one at the ready, Aaron? I want to come up with a good one. I don't want I. Okay, now now Todd's going to go full Catholic. He wants to emaciate himself yes, properly here. Yes. So give him some time. Give him, give him right? the uh, Martin yes. Luther uh, treatment here. Um, I, I think for me, it, it's probably 
a presentation uh, that I gave in college one time. Not the one where I had to clap for myself at the end of the presentation. <laughs> but one, I'm not going to go too, too into specifics, but one where I, um, I, I don't know, it was a project or something for an English class. And it was a slideshow, and um, I was I was talking about a friend of mine who was, I don't know, struggling with uh, addiction and, and things of that nature. And I never really got this until it was over, but people could have taken it, because I never, told, uh, never said the friend's name by name. People could have taken it that I was talking about myself through the entire presentation. And it was... Looking back, now at they that, get you elected president, brah. That's true. You were you were a man before his time. That's true. Yeah. Well, I once had a boss help me through a tough time, and he basically set up this situation where he mediated uh, a situation where the, the guy on the other side was in the wrong, and I was in the right, and I was in my early twenties at the time, and insufferable me tried to pull a version of oh yeah and the horse you rode in on and the script immediately flipped and the boss slash mediator quickly basically not so much sided with him but told me i could get bent and rightly so and yeah that Seems, was a rough one yeah lots of early 20 memories are uh are like that uh question two what's a tv show you think never got a fair shake before being canceled. This one should be easy. Uh, well, I mean, one of the classic examples is uh, Star Trek, the original series, mm. which became an iconic cultural force of nature phenomenon after it was canceled by NBC and went into syndication. Um, there was a show, oh, what was it called, from a few years ago uh, about... Um, Oh, start, I think it starts with a J. Uh, Amy and I started watching the first season, and they got canceled. It was, really it was good. great. It starts with a J. <laughs> <laughs> it was about uh, America's invaded and they, and, uh, by a foreign country, and they throw an EMP over the country. And it was on oh, network yeah, TV. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? Uh, was it on CBS? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, the Dome. Uh, no, you're thinking of it. It's, it. This was on CBS, but it was, or maybe it wasn't on CBS. Maybe it was NBC. No, not the, not the Dome. This was something else. And it took place in this small town in Kansas. This is the worst radio ever. Let me just... I stop now, and I, I have shamed myself. <laughs> I'll just go with Star Trek. I don't Thank think you. great means what you think it means. Um, here's another one. There's got to be... I, it's Firefly for me. And by the way, the other night when we were talking about best spaceships in sci-fi canon, nobody mentioned... Somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Nobody mentioned that we named the Serenity. As one of the best spaceships. You guys know what show I'm talking about? Yeah, I know Firefly. Firefly. That's a Joss Whedon show. Yeah. Definitely uh, c canceled before it's time. See, I haven't done appointment television for so long that th this is genuinely a hard question. I I always wait to hear, like, basically you tell me that, that, like, Lost. It was two seasons in, and you wouldn't stop talking about Lost. So, okay, I guess I need to watch Lost. That's basically how I end up watching everything. So I don't even get to the point where I could consider this. There's... It, and since you, you didn't, being, you couldn't handle this question either, so I don't feel bad about I need, it. I wish I could remember the name of that show. It was a, a town in Kansas, started with a J. America doesn't. I, I oh, Jericho. Jericho, yes. that's it. There we go. Jericho, yes. There, <laughs> it was one season, Amy and I loved it, and then they canceled it. Another one, I remember as a kid, I was crushed when V was canceled. When they, when, when the, see, Aaron's too young for this. Do you remember how huge V, the oh. miniseries, was when we were kids? 
and and it you felt cultic. Yes, and you didn't watch on. They, they didn't have them on VCR and DVD. You, it was once a year, and and the way they left it with a cliffhanger, you had to wait a whole year for the final battle the next year, where the where we fought back against the aliens. Right? Remember the first time that they one of the most famous moments in eighties television is when the skin was ripped off the visitor oh. for the first time and, and when they were the, reptilian. The twins are born, and it's a re- real baby when, first, when, and then when it's Diana a, yes. eats the Diana mou- eats oh. the mouse, right? Oh, that, yeah. was what, that, was like, that was like our generation's who shot JR moment in television. And that, that miniseries was so popular when they brought it to regular episodic television. I was psyched, man, as a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid. And then when that got canceled, bro, I was crushed when that got canceled. So that would be on my list, too. Uh, let's see. For, uh, question number three. Should college basketball players be required to stay in school for a certain number of years before they turn pro? And I guess college athletes in general, this is a question. Uh, I think that um, it's perfectly within the rights of a business to say they want certain requirements and experience levels mm-hmm. of people, of, of applicants. For example, you know, you have to, if you want to have, a, if you want to go to law, become a lawyer, you need a, a law degree. A lot of law firms are going to say, what kind of experience do you have practicing this law? If you are a doctor, where'd you do your residency? So I have a problem with the NFL saying, you know what? We want somebody to have three years of playing experience outside of high school be, to show that they have physically developed to the point of coming into the NFL. And if the Players Association, the union, agrees to that with collective bargaining, I don't see a problem with it. I also don't see a problem if they say, you know what, you can come right out of high school and apply. To me, that, that, <clears throat> that's up to a private industry to decide that. And if, and if, they have, if it's a union shop, then they collective bargain with that. And if the, if the union agrees as well, that's well within the rights of a business to make those kinds of demands. Totally agree. I, I think many, me. many notions on this have become way too... Uh, uh, libertarian that somehow because a business has those expectations that these kids are, are living in the perpetual serfdom that's absolute nonsense but there's a lot of people on the that are seemingly on both the left and the right of the discussion who believe that i think that's total nonsense yeah i i don't think that the ncaa or schools themselves uh well i mean if they if they have a contract uh, for a player to sign to get their scholarship then you know they can do what they want and the player has the freedom to go somewhere else if they want to do that as well that's it the nightly buzz is next you're listening to steve dace You can take the scraps the Democrats want to give you. But I like it here. They let me eat anything that falls on the floor. Or you can work for more. This is the Steve Day Show. Something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get the we got to get some buzz going. Yes, indeed, we do. This is the Nightly Buzz, where we go back and take a look at some of the headlines worthy of responding to, giving you our hot takes to. This are the headlines courtesy of our producer, Aaron, who has been checking out what you're talking about on social media at the water cooler. He's got those headlines, and, and we do have the hot takes. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Steve. Uh, for story, political re- or Politico reporter Jack Schaefer sees Trump as an excuse to report with bias. He said recently, quote, <laughs> as if they needed another re- uh, about uh, time. excuse. 
Quote, no, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, let's thank the incoming president for simplifying our mission. If Trump's idea of a news conference is to spank the press, if his lieutenants believe the press needs shutting down, if his chief of staff wants to speculate about moving the White House press r- scrum off the premises, perhaps reporters ought to take the hint and prepare to cover his administration on their own terms. Instead of relying exclusively on the traditional skills of political reporting, the carriers of press cards ought to start thinking of covering Trump's Washington like a war zone, where conflict follows conflict, where fog prevents the collection of reliable information directly from the combatants, where the assignment is a matter of life or death. In his own way, Trump has set us free, so forget about the White House press room. It's time to circle behind the enemy lines. Dun, 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 dun. So dun, dun, dun. you're you're telling me you're just gonna do what you've always done. You're just gonna do what you've always done. Now that part of this aside, this notion that because let's let's for the sake of this argument, grant that Trump is everything individuals like this person says that he is. Only a child says. Therefore, because you behave this way, I am justified. In behaving this way as well. That's what a child says. An adult recognizes, I am still responsible for my own actions. Like in this gentleman's case, is he not worried about his own professionalism? Does he have, does, is he not worried about his own commitment to standards, to excellence? So, I mean, he, is, he working for, is he working for something higher than I, I, reacting to Donald Trump? Apparently the answer is no, but but this is actually not unique to the left. Unfortunately, this is a this is a childlike mindset that it, that exists in a lot of America today. This idea that I am beholden to behave a certain way because you behave this way towards me, therefore it's justified. As if I'm not I'm a victim somehow. I, I had no alternative but to act this way because you treated me thusly. There's a visual <laughs> picture of we can use that's really handy right now uh what less than an hour after trump's inauguration you had the mob going to work just like i predicted uh breaking windows and stores lighting things on fire based on the peaceful transition of power in the greatest country ever devised that's what this reporter is doing Lighting fires, just admitting, doing what we've always done, but now just being more brazen publicly about it. I mean, these guys are walking around outside with, you know, goggles. They came prepared to do this. This reporter is nothing short of a uh, arsonist Hmm. with words. Next story, some 25 colleges and universities answered a call by professors at UCLA to use their regular class time to teach, organize, and resist what they view as the discriminatory political agenda of President Donald Trump. This happened this week on Wednesday. It was a teach-in that they dubbed hashtag J18, and it invited participation by those who refused to bear silent witness to the, politi- uh, pol- to the politics of hate and fear that in these times, these places of teaching and learning not only serve as a sanctuary for its students and workers, but also stand up to proclaim the power of knowledge on the front lines of social justice and affirm the role of critical thinking and <laughs> academic knowledge in challenging Trumpism. Critical what? Yes. Clearly, this is not a movement that puts a high emphasis on self-awareness, uh, despite their high emphasis on self. This is where somebody at Heritage or somebody in that inner sanctum, even a Bannon, 
Somebody needs to go to Donald Trump and make this argument. Don't make it based on ideology. Don't make it based on these people teach, uh, these people are turning the next generation to global, the globalist cucks. Don't make it based on these guys are going to, these guys want to turn us into Kukistan. These guys hate America. They're anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, anti-religion. I don't think those arguments will, re- will resonate. You simply need to go to this man and say, these folks are actively propagandizing voters, a, a generation of voters against you. Defund them. Don't, would you send your money to your competitor? Would you do that? If someone, wanted, if someone was bidding against you for a property in Manhattan... Would you be one of the investors in their project? No. Then why are you investing in this one? And they need to explain it like that. Can we just make a deal? I cede these people their safe spaces. I promise not to mock them anymore if they will just stay in those safe spaces for the next four years. See, I think those are promises neither one of us can keep. No. <laughs> if we just annex tweeting right now, annex, mocking somebody yes, as we speak, annex and, and, and every as they move into your neighborhood. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> Sue Fulton, who was a member of the first co-ed class at West Point and then served in the Army for five and a half years, is now the chair of the U.S. Military Academy Board of Visitors. This board inquires into the morale and discipline curriculum, instruction, and other matters relating to the academy. She said recently um, about the about military chaplains in an interview with the New York Times, quote, What people fail to understand is that chaplains give up some of their rights as ministers when they become military chaplains, just as soldiers give up some of their free speech to defend free speech. Some chaplains argue, my first responsibility is to God. Well, if your responsibility is to God and not the army, you need to get out of the army, end quote. Who said this now? Sue Fulton. She was a member of the first co-ed class at West Point. She's now the chair of the U.S. Military Academy Board of Visitors. Uh, She should be the former uh, chair. And she should be court-martialed and um, given a scarlet letter. She's a disgrace. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, don't those officers take an oath as well? When they stand up at a military, a uniform military code of justice hearing or court martial, do they, do they promise to tell the truth, so help me myself? No, they don't. So that woman is a disgrace. She's an insult to her uniform. And she should be court martialed, Todd. She should be in Leavenworth. I agree. And she, she actually does have one point. You do. Whether joining the military or a private business, as you previously alluded to, you do give up certain rights sometimes. It's just abundantly clear. Not only is this not one of them. No, these are the rights you're actually fighting for. Yes, these are the the right. This is the a priori rights you have that make sense of all the other ones. The idea that when you join the the statist military, there is no authority higher than the military chain of command. That has been uttered by every oppressive, tyrannical regime in the history of this planet. Whether they were whether they were on chariots and horses or whether they rode in tanks, and that's exactly what she is mimicking and parroting right there court-martial that woman you're listening to steve dace no 
Knowledge is power. I've seen what it can do, and I want to learn more. Gain more knowledge right here. It's the Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to a little feedback Friday. This is where we respond to your responses to us. You can send in your feedback one of three ways. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Charlotte Pate, Pate, I should say, uh, Charlotte sent me a note recently, and it included a link to an Associated Press story with this headline, Girl Who Was Raped, Dismembered by Adoptive Mother and Boyfriend Had Been Abused in At Least Three Other Homes. And she asked me this question. I don't have a good answer when a non-believer asks me why this occurred. Saying that there are things we don't understand doesn't really cut it. I completely agree, Charlotte, and we should never say that. See, the presumption in the question, why would a loving God allow these things to happen? The presumption is that we have no freedom to act on our own at all in that question. God is sovereign. But he does not exercise his sovereignty as an authoritarian. He could make us obey his law all the time. He could make us love him. But would that really be love? Or would it be obligation? If you're a parent, If you have children at home, you're bigger, stronger, smarter than them. You can impose your will. You can make them do what you think is right. But the goal is, as a parent, when they grow up and get out of the home, that they will do what you taught them it was right because they love you and believe that you taught those things to them because you put your love for them first. And that's why you taught them what was right from wrong. So as it is with our Heavenly Father. See, I understand why people say, why does God allow these things to happen? Because as St. Paul says in Romans 1, we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. We don't want to have to be accountable to God. On one hand, we demand that God give us the freedom to do whatever we wish, particularly where our zippers and our wallets are concerned. We demand that God give us the freedom to do whatever we wish. And then once we act on said freedom, who is the first person we blame when tragedy happens or we're faced with those consequences that same god we demanded our freedom from you cannot have it both ways this is how a child acts when a child chooses to disobey his mother or father or both the consequences that they warned him would happen occur and then they say why didn't you stop me from this you disobeyed me other way around now, when, when, how does a sovereign God who's not an authoritarian, how does he respond to our disobedience? Well, all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. So first he sends his son to live the life that we could not live, die the death we should have died, and then to rise from that death again, proving once and for all that he is God. It is accomplished. He has paid the penalty once and for all for our transgressions against God's law so that we can be renewed by God's spirit and become people who don't behave like this anymore. And then share that good news with the rest of the world. He raises people up to be police, to be investigators, 
to punish, find and punish the people and judges, to, pun- to find and punish the people who then are hell-bent on being hell-bent. He raises up people to be teachers and counselors uh, and, 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 and other forms of preemptive measures to try and reach hurt people before they act out in these ways. See, those of us who believe in the sovereignty of God, we're not the ones who have the tough question to answer. This is pretty easy, actually, to answer when you account for the freedom of man. The really difficult question, I would say to to Sharla and many of my fellow patriots listening tonight, you know who's got a real tough case to make? The people on the progressive side who tell us that human nature is basically good and that evil is not an objective force in the world and that we are just a product of nature. Do you know of any serial killing lions who run amok of the pride and just go out there indiscriminately killing their fellow lions for no reason whatsoever? No. Does this phenomenon exist anywhere in nature? No. They don't even indiscriminately kill their prey. That's exactly right. There is only one place in nature where this behavior manifests itself. With which species? The Homo sapien. Why? Well, we have to answer that question, don't we? The answer is, we have a soul. And that soul has gone bad. And it needs to be made new. So that we can become good. It is not the Christian who has a difficult time with this question of evil. It is the progressive. You're listening to Steve Dace. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to more of your feedback here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. Again, you can give us your feedback at steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Congrats on your move uh, to CRTV. You've got Nefarious Plot the Movie. They had you on C-SPAN. You guys are kind of like a Beverly Hillbillies redux. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, man. <laughs> oh, and Todd's haircut looks good. That is from Brian. Now, I got to ask, and I hate to do this because Brian ends his email with a go blue, man. So we're, we're, we're of the same tribe, but we don't believe in tribalism on this show. So I got to ask, is it okay for another no. dude to say to a dude, your hair, I like your haircut. No. Is that okay? Aaron is, no. right, Aaron is in right away with the net. Aaron is in right away from the millennial wing of the dude code with a rejection. You cannot. I'm in my safe space right now. (laughs) Aaron says emphatically the dude code does not allow you to give positive reinforcement to another man's haircut. Now, I'm a bit old school. You know, I'm kind of King James. I'm kind of King James only on the dude code, all right? I don't even think you're allowed to acknowledge a dude got a haircut. How does he know what my hair looked like before? Well, I see. Okay, here's here's. See, the, now we've opened a can of worms, and I don't like where this is heading. Anyway. This is um, this is where I say it's it's okay for it to, for you to let it register in your head 
that somebody else, something has changed about somebody else, it is not okay for you to say it. In fact, if you do let it register in your mind, which you shouldn't in the first place, but if you do let it register in your mind and you have to say something, if somebody got a haircut, say, did you get glasses or did you get contacts or something like that, just to totally cleanse the palate, neutralize it, just to get it out of your system. And never did you get highlights. Never. <laughs> Ever. Are those extensions? Yeah. Hair plugs. Hair plugs look nice. <laughs> oh, we're just uh, we're just busting your uh, nether regions, Brian. Thanks for the email. Joe Ryan says, Steve, we, we watched uh, your show on C-SPAN last night. Great stuff. We do have common ground with some on the other side. We share a fear of too powerful of a president. Maybe we should hand them a pocket constitution and say, come on in. Let's fix this. What do you think? How, how you know we we've kind of joked that we're going to run into all kinds of people on the left who suddenly have a newfound respect for federalism and limited government. Is we've joked yeah. about that, but you're not no. you're skeptical. Oh, I'm more than skeptical. More than skeptical? Why? Other than you know, thirty years of uh, of ample evidence. What else? What, what else might it be? We watched it play out on TV after uh, uh, Trump's inauguration. I mean, the, the progressivism is just pure id right now. I mean, there's no. There's no pause button. There's no consult the manual timeout. No. It, 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 and it's it, it, it's going to be remarkable. This is right now. I mean, it took, what, an hour to figure out that 2017? Yeah, probably going to be a pretty rough ride. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, progressives don't know how to stop. They can't stop, won't stop. Uh, because uh, stopping is not, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's impossible for them to let go of anything. It's impossible for them to think rationally. And I'm talking about true progressives here because progressivism is a cult. And it starts with the me. And whatever me thinks, whatever I think in the morning when I get up or whatever, whatever I feel at any particular moment, that's what they're going to think and that's what they're going to feel and that's how they're going to act. And whenever um, a, a person's worldview starts and ends with a reflection in the mirror, you're always going to get people acting up because we know we have a we're trying to fill a god-shaped hole in our heart roger sutton says i'm a rookie who just joined my county gop central committee i opted not to bail i've seen the establishment at work on the home front at its best i don't hear the uproar against the gop establishment and all that we used to hear what can slash must we do at the ground at the ground level to poke holes in the dike at the home front or am I just wasting my time? I thought. Go ahead, if you. No, you go ahead, Aaron. I mean, I, if, if you if if you if you feel compelled to interrupt me, you must really feel strongly about it, this. So go ahead. I, I've thought about this it, it, a lot actually recently. That uh, it feels like the more time that a person spends with the GOP, the more they're going to spend more time trying to fight the guy or pull the knife out of their back rather than actually engaging in an argument with the other side. So if you really feel passionately about uh, something or really trying to poke holes in the other side, then. Maybe maybe you should start thinking about going to the other sides. Go to Democratic meetings. Try to try to interrupt them. Try to start an argument with them, because at this point, and this is just me, um, at this point, I, I feel like if you're working within the GOP now that that, that you're going to spend a lot of time pulling knives out of your back, uh, we do have an opportunity. The GOP does have an opportunity to actually accomplish things right now, um, but at the same time, overall, the, in my lifetime, the GOP has just been a backstabbing. Organization. And one important cautionary don't do, because of your frustration with government at the federal level, I've seen it many times in covering local government. They, the, the same people just carry that frustration 
down there to their city council meeting and they let right versus left. I mean, principles are still in play. But if, if this country was working as it should, you actually would be OK with your taxes being raised at the local level for the park that you're going to go to or your grandchild. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. The, the, the places you could touch, but we get, we, we've just been so twisted by the, the con game that's going on at the federal level that we just get entrenched and we fold up our arms and, and we look silly at times as at people on the right at the local level because we won't play ball in our own backyard. Here's my advice as someone who's been not I've not been a part of a county central committee, but has tried to do, Roger, what you're trying to do. Do as much good as you can do in that capacity until it begins to turn you into a person that goes against why you got into this in the first place, whether that is six hours, six months, six years. I walked away. Because it was going to turn me into a person I didn't want to become. That's why I'm out. I'm not suggesting everybody else do that. I've not led, tried to lead some like exodus out of the Republican Party or encourage other people to do the same. I mean, I, it's not for me. But, you know, if, if people of, of conscience want to go, go in and, and try to make it work, God bless you. I hope it does. I agree with Aaron. I don't know why we don't spend more time infiltrating the other side like they have done to so many of our own institutions. Why we just don't do that. But I understand that's not the way our side kind of thinks and works, and that's cool. You know, we like to think that we are above all of that. And that's true, although sometimes we try to be nicer than God to our own detriment. But my encouragement to you would be uh, do what is right until you, uh, until you feel yourself getting to the point that you're betraying what you really stand for, and that's when you need to walk away. Listening to Steve Dace. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. All right, back to wrap it up here tonight on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. We have come to the end of another excursion into mediocrity, as only we can do. That's why we're on at midnight. So, gentlemen, what did we learn here this evening? Todd, what did you learn? I learned very quickly that it is what we thought it was, that the left will not be able to police itself a mere hour or two uh, after the inauguration the the mob uh lust for fire and breaking things kicked into gear at least the last note i saw was that at least a hundred arrests were made and the excuse making by progressives were just saying oh it's just it made all those rascally kids you know like something out of scooby-doo it, it the, that would have been the time to say you know what we need to be better than this if we want to defeat donald trump and what we think he is we need to be better than this this is why donald trump won I, I, I may have missed some, and I'm sure somebody said, but the lion's share of things I saw was, oh, yeah, no big deal. Just let them get it out of their system. This is going to be a really rough year. We do not share a country anymore. We are in the midst of a civil war. 
Yeah, I learned that there's a difference between, uh, along those lines, there's a difference between having pity and compassion in your heart and then how you actually, um, how you actually go about confronting and, um, and otherwise talking or debating with those on, from, you know, from the progressive side. If you even can get into a debate with a progressive, we, we should always have compassion. Our, our motivation should always be compassion and love for our fellow countrymen, but especially with progressives and the ones who are acting up the most. That's not, uh, how we usually think about compassion is not how we need to, to uh, confront them. They must be laughed. They must be laughed at. Um, they must be dealt with different, differently, uh, other than just, Oh, you poor thing. You don't really know. You're just so misguided. No, they must. Progressivism itself must be destroyed. But our motivation always has to be compassion and love. I think what we need to find out is how many of these people on the left do they represent? And I think the left has a responsibility to draw that distinction for their own survival. Uh, they They are in danger. They are they are in danger of relevating of 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 becoming, relegating themselves to irrelevancy, where they are essentially the People's Republic of California versus America. Listen, if progressivism won't tell them to stop, then they represent every single one of them. And that's my point. And, well, that will be the branding, won't it? That will be the branding. If, if they don't draw some of those distinctions, that will be the branding. That is the way, because, I, listen, as I wrote for Conservative Review this week, just because I think th- that it's clear America's alleged leftist takeover has been greatly exaggerated, that doesn't mean I think we've become some kind of conservative Valhalla either. I'm well aware of the fact most of the country doesn't agree with me too. But there's a, there's a wide swath between what I'm fighting for and what the progressives on the, uh, are, the upheaval they're asking for. There's a lot of Americans in the middle that don't know where they stand. They just know they're against that. John 317. You're listening to Steve Dace.